the uh, the songs that Jared picked out were absolutely uh, appropriate for the message this morning. I'll be preaching from a text in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, if you want to turn there. But um, this morning I'd like to share with you a, what might possibly become a goal of the new year. This is the first Sunday in January, right? Okay, i just check in if you're awake. I, I did hear an amen a few minutes ago and it was like, oh, I'm in a Baptist church. It's great. It's great. So, one of the, there are two things that I would like to get across to you this morning, so listen for that. And, and I say that, um, I'm uh, propped up just a little bit on Benadryl, so, um, so if I start speaking in tongues or something, just ignore me, okay? That's not my, that's not my habit. But I would like to dispel the myth of Christians being able to live in isolation from other Christians. That's just not a biblical concept at all. And to promote serving one another biblically. Now here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to just list off the one another's and say, now go do that, right? That's kind of like peace be you warmed and filled. It's not very useful. What I'd like to do is to give you some some hands-on application, maybe some things to think about, I don't claim to have any new information, but maybe uh, this can be presented in such a way that it resonates new. So, <clears throat> so those, that's my goal. The, uh, the goal of every church and the goal of every Christian should be to, to make Jesus famous, right? We go into all the world and make disciples, make disciples of Jesus Christ. We make people to, to live and to think and to, to act and behave like Jesus and as, with, as far as we can, and then uh, to teach others. All of that has to do with the one another's. It, it is our goal to make Jesus known and famous. And, and I do, I, I assume, and I think safely, that that's the goal of Haven Baptist Church. Uh, I did, I've never met your pastor, but I did get to talk to him on the phone. You guys don't tell him I said this, okay? But uh, he seems like a wonderful man, uh, and he speaks very highly of you guys. So, uh, so you can put that down. So far, so good. You're doing okay, right? Um, now, we can make Jesus known in a lot of different ways. We can, we can go and preach the gospel, right? So don't answer this question out loud. Don't answer this question out loud. I just don't want you to. I don't want to know. don't want others to know. This is between you and God. It's not between me and you. In fact, this sermon is not between me and you. All right? This sermon is between you and God. Prayerfully. But how many people did you share the gospel with last year on purpose? Or how many people did you share the gospel with last year? Period. Now, in a congregation of this size, uh, I would assume that there are some that are faithful uh, week in and week out to try to share the gospel. You don't always have a good opportunity, but, but, that is a, but that's a great way to make Jesus famous, right? Okay. Uh, so how many of you guys have prayed over the last year? Don't answer that out loud. Just answer. Okay. Uh, that's a way to make Jesus famous because when Jesus answers our prayers and we, and we testify to that, 
that's an opportunity to, to praise him and to honor him for who he is. Because we can't answer our prayers. We can only offer our prayers. He is the one that has to answer our prayers or they don't get answered, right? So let me read for you John chapter 13. <coughs> Sorry. Verses 34 and 35. And this is a way, another way for us to make Jesus famous. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. I'm sorry, can I reread that? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, there's a curiosity here, and I've asked this question a number of times. What is the difference, then? what is the new commandment that Jesus is giving? He says that you love one another. However, in the Old Testament, in, 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 the, in the book of Leviticus and in Exodus, uh, under the law, God said to love your neighbor as yourself. You have read that, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, that was one of the commandments, that was the second greatest commandment that Jesus uh, quoted when he asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So what's new then? Loving our neighbor is not new. It's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, an, that's from Adam and Eve. <clears throat> Excuse me. But loving our neighbor like Jesus loves us, aha, now that's different. He says, this is the new commandment that I give you, that you should love one another as I have loved you. That's a pretty big deal. So let me me caveat something for you real quick. In order for us to love one another like Jesus does, did, while he was on the earth, that physical example of Jesus' love, we have to be in proximity of one another. That means that it's very important, church, that we fellowship, that we go to our small groups, that we be in Sunday school, that we gather. And I know there are some that say, well, I can worship God on the lake. You know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that a bit. Because I've worshipped God on the lake. Okay? I've praised Him. Thank God for this brim. Right? If you don't know what that is, that's a fish. But, um, but, uh, but, yeah, you can. But it is so biblical in the New Testament that we gather as God's people on a regular basis. Because without that fellowship, first of all, we can, we'll, we'll be disobedient to God's word and we cannot practice loving each other like Christ has loved us. We can't. It's impossible. Just think about it. If you want to love on me for some strange reason, you can't do it without me being here. You can think about it. You can talk about it. But you can't do it. Okay? You can wish it were so... But it's not happening. And if I wanted to love on you like Jesus loved us, and I can't find you, 
How am I going to do that? Can you guys remember the place in the New Testament where Jesus ministered to people who weren't there? Not really, can you? The only thing that you can remember is that Jesus healed a young lady long distance, right? He said, she's healed, go home. But other than that, with his disciples, that he said, no, come follow me. Come be with me. Come live with me. And that's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to love. That's how, we're, uh, that's how you're going to know how I've loved you. And, and let me just real quickly, and all this is introduction, okay? I'll get to the sermon in just a minute. But let me just remind you that it is God's will for your life. Say, well, that's pretty presumptuous. How can you say that it's God's will for my life? Because the Bible says it's God's will for your life. Okay? It is God's will for your life that you live in Christian community. You see, God is a fan of community. In eternity past, He lived and existed in perfect community with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He lived in perfect harmony and perfect community. And then he created uh, the heavens and the earth in six days. He created Adam. And you know, before sin, there was one negative aspect of creation. What was it? Uh, Okay, you guys know I got old ears, right? It was that it is not good for man to be alone. God created us for community. He created us for community. And then Adam and Eve had children, right? That was an expanded community. Well, then the flood came, right? But then God created another community, Israel, a nation. It's it's God's nation. And then when Christ came and died, he gave us another community. What What is it? The church, yes. I heard, that's all I could hear, but I'm giving you credit. You got the check mark on that one. Okay, can you all hear me? Okay, good. Just making sure my questions are getting out there. So, you know, and at one point in history future, God has created for us another community, right? Have you read that? In um, Revelation 21, he says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with them as their God. There's community right there. I'm looking forward to that community. How about you? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. Now look, church, we're going to be in community forever. We need to practice. We need to practice. We need to practice living in community. The small groups that I've seen advertised up here, go for it. Those are awesome. Those are places where you can uh, one another, one another awesomely. Now, like I said, 
we do need one another. So you know what you just saw? You saw me change this page? That's page one. I've only got 11. Relax. Okay? Relax. So why do we need one another? Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me that we all struggle and that we are all pretty frequently plagued by the struggles of this world? That we have to deal with fear, rejection, isolation, confusing voices, religious voices, uh, the, the media, family voices, heresy, voices that we hear, health, we, we struggle with health, with money, with work, with schedule, with limits of time, knowledge, strength, ability, and direction. But God has uniquely equipped the church to be a community where we can be to one another the help and the hope for those issues. Look to the, look to the body of Christ. Surely there's somebody in this congregation who can help you spiritually. Surely there is. Surely there's someone in this congregation that can help you physically. Surely, surely there is. Surely there's someone in this congregation that can help you emotionally. Or maybe you're someone here who can help someone else emotionally. Or intellectually, help to learn the Bible. Those are four areas of our life where we are called to one another. We'll see that in just a moment. But can I say something about people who isolate themselves? Actually, I didn't say it. Uh, Solomon said it in uh, Proverbs 18, verse 1. He said this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out or he rages against all sound judgment. Do you know living in community together means that we keep each other accountable and we keep each other on the right path. Have you ever, have you ever, has your mind ever gone down a road and you thought, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense. And then a little, a little later on, somebody who's a little further down the road comes to you and says, you know, that's wrong. What you're thinking is wrong. Maybe not as bluntly as I just said it. But we need correction. We need to stay the course. We need to, we need to be able... Does anybody here have all the answers to, in God's Word? Yeah. And it seems, brother, it seems like the older we get, the less we got it. Okay? J. Vernon McGee, some of you guys may or may not know who that is. He said, when I graduated seminary, I had all the answers. And he said, but the older I get... Uh, first of all, I don't have all the answers, and I think the questions are changing. So he was, he was struggling, and I can testify to the truth of that. Years and years ago, you think, well, I, yeah, I got this. But now it's like, I, I'm not sure I do. But why would someone want to isolate themselves from such a wonderful thing as the church? Now, I'm, you guys are going to have to speed your listener up just a little bit, Okay. More often than not, it's because we're proud and we're disobedient. Okay? So now that I've slammed the door, it's also true. Sometimes people isolate themselves because they've been really hurt. They've been, they've been hurt by somebody in the church. Have you ever experienced that? 
I can, I can honestly say I've experienced that. But you're a pastor. Look, there's some churches that eat pastors for lunch. Okay? And I don't mean take them to lunch. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Well, they've been hurt by others. They've been betrayed by others. They've been slandered or gossiped against by others. They've been ashamed of their own sin. I will never live up to, I will never live up to being a Christian. I, I just won't bother those good people down there. Family competition will never measure up to so and so. They've been a part of a community that was not genuine, a hypocritical community of faith. In any case, they've lost trust in community. Okay, that happens, right? That happens. Now those, can I just say this, and I want to say this as gently as I possibly can, and so when I say that, you know that what I'm about to say is not easy to hear. Those responses are humanly understandable. Okay? They are humanly understandable, but they are not biblically justifiable. We understand them as human beings. I mean, when we get hurt, our nature says, well, I'm done with that. Yet, aren't you glad Jesus, as many times as we have hurt him and disobeyed him and slandered him and done things that have just, you know, if I were him, would embarrass me. And yet he doesn't say, well, I'm done with that. And I'm very grateful. And I'm very grateful. God is fully aware that we can be hurtful to one another. Do do, do we surprise God when we hurt each other? No, we don't. No, we don't. Not at all. God's fully aware that this world is broken. He's fully aware that we can't be trusted to have each other's best interest at heart. But God still commands us to live in community and to serve one another, not trusting one another, trusting Him while we serve one another. The passage that we just read in John 13, 34 and 35, are you familiar with that that text? It is the same chapter in which Jesus, in fact, this is uh, directly connected to Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Okay? Jesus washing his disciples' feet. In fact, he says in John 13, verse 14, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done. So, does that mean that we're supposed to wash feet? Okay, no, probably not. That's not necessarily the right understanding of that. But he said, just as I've done, I am greater than all of you put together, is what he's telling his disciples, and it's what he's telling us. So if I'm willing to serve you, you need to be willing to serve one another. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Marrying those two verses, you love one another like I have loved you. So, so what, was, what was going on there with, uh, with Jesus making, what was the big deal? We got to remember in John 13 is just a couple of chapters before his crucifixion. It's just a few, it's, these verses are just a few verses before Judas uh, betrayed him. Do you think Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him? 
Well, he washed his feet anyway. Do you, do you think that he knew that Peter was going to deny him? Well, he told Peter he was going to deny him, and he washed his feet anyway. Do, do you think that he knew that all of his disciples, James and John, who had just come to him and said, can, we, can I sit on one hand and, and uh, the other sit on the other? Will that be okay when we enter into your kingdom? The ones that are kind of self-aggrandizing and putting the others in a secondary place, do you think he knew that? Well, yes, of course he did, and he washed their feet anyway. So what does that mean for us? That we're to do like Jesus did. We stand in great potential of being hurt, of being rejected, of being pushed away, of being slandered. Jesus was all of those things. Peter cursed to make folks know that he was dissociated with Jesus. And Jesus knew that. He knew that was coming, and he washed his feet anyway. So let me ask you this. If we're going to love like Jesus did, if you knew that brother uh, stinky feet, somebody needs their feet washed, okay? If you knew that this time in a couple of months that that brother was going to do something just awful to you. He was going to shoot your dog or he was going to mock you publicly. If you knew that in advance, what would be your heart's desire for him? Would it be to take him out before he does it? Or would it be to serve him like Jesus Served, knowing that he was going to be betrayed, knowing that he was going to be hurt, knowing that he was going to be mocked, knowing that he was going to go through a false trial, knowing that he was going to the cross, he washed the feet of those who put him there. So that's the big deal about loving like Jesus loved. It's a big deal. So, well, brethren, you don't know, they really hurt me a lot. Do you think Jesus is unaware of that. So do you want to stand before God when we get to 1 Corinthians 3, that judgment there? You guys memorize that, I'm sure. But when we get to that judgment where all of our works are tried by fire and those that, those that come through that judgment that are pleasing to God are gold, silver, and precious stones and those that get burned up, the wood, hay, the stubble, uh, when you're standing there before God giving an account of everything that you've ever done, is it going to go okay for you to say, but, but God, you don't understand? I, I don't think that's going to cut it. Because he understands he lived it, right? When you stand before God and, and you say, but, but they hurt me so much. Yeah, but did you obey me in the process? Their time's coming. They hurt you. I get it, and I'm and and I can and I'm a I'm a defender of the weak. I'm a defender of the oppressed. I get it. Their time's coming, but they're not on judgment right now. You're on judgment right now. Did you obey me in that process? Did you serve them like I served you? That's tough. I got to tell you, that's tough. But if you think of it like that. It might encourage us to one another, one another a little better. Okay? So, 
What time do I need to stop? Somebody just say. When I get through? Yeah, me and you'll be here. But, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed up again. What is love? Is love an emotion? Is love an action? Is it a noun? Is it a verb? Is it an adjective? It's all the above. It is all the above. Can I give you a definition my wife and I came up with for love? Okay, You can come up with your own definition because it's really kind of hard to define. Okay, Especially in English. Do you love pizza? Do you love your wife? Do you love your kids? Do you love your cat? That's a joke. I'm sorry. So, love is a state of heart and mind so captivated by a person or thing that it places personal desires and well-being secondary to the best and well-being of that person or thing. Genuine love motivates us to self-sacrifice as a natural response to the need of the person loved. Okay? Love isn't talk. Because John said in 1 John 3.18, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. An example of that is what Jesus said, Greater love is no man than this, than he was. He laid down his life for his friend. That's not talk. That's not talk. But a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Um, he loved us despite our failures, without cause from us, with nothing to gain. And let me just say this right quick. Every one another in the Bible, do you guys know how many one another's there are in the New Testament? Well, I don't either. And it just depends on who you ask and how you count them. Somewhere between 40 and 55. Okay? That's a lot of ways that we're to one another one another, right? But we're supposed to do all of that in the spirit of love. Not to check a box, but because we love. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I have a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. So I mentioned this a little earlier and I'm going to go through this real quick. There are four categories of one another and you can divide every one another in the New Testament up in four categories. Okay, and that is, and they're all outward serving, and they're all serving like Jesus served. We serve physically. Okay, that shows how will the world know that we're His disciples if we love one for another. Physically serving one another shows the compassion, care, help, and generosity of Christ. Now you got to understand, Jesus is God, right? And you're not, right? I didn't get an amen for that. Okay? Yeah. But, but, but you're not. Trust me, you're not. And, but, and God, Jesus displayed his ability to one another in a way that he didn't give us, he didn't give us that power. You know, when, he, when we, we talk about physical one another, he, we're looking at a group of 5,000 men, and Jesus fed the five, met their physical need with a, a sack lunch. I'm not thinking you can do that, okay? But you know what he did? He said, 
He, but he implied to us that with the ability that we have, we ought to put forth 100% effort in meeting the physical needs of one another. Okay? For some of you, that's going to be kind of small. And that's okay, because when the widow gave the mites, she gave all she had. And she is the one that got the accolades. Okay? Some of you can do a great deal. All right? I'm just challenging you to give according to your ability, not give according to God's ability, because he just fed them, right? Um, but here's the thing. This is the way that, that our love and our deeds are connected in love. First John 3.17, the same author as the Gospel of John, he says, But if anyone has this world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? John just simply says, don't fake it. Don't say it unless you do it. And John was notorious for that. But don't say it if you're not going to do it. Uh, Emotional. Physical, emotional. Have you ever had an emotional need? Yeah, if you're over six months old, you have had an emotional need. Okay? Okay? In six, before six months, it's all physical. But you have this emotional need. How did Jesus meet emotional needs? Well, once again, he superseded anything that we could do. You remember when Lazarus died and Mary and Martha were crying? Jesus wept. He identified with their emotional need, but he raised Lazarus from the dead. Come on. He, he ministered to their need by raising the dead. I'm not thinking we're going to do that. But what he has called us to do is come alongside each other, weep with those with weep with those that weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, as Paul says. And in Ephesians four, he says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. God sent us three sorry, God sent us three ways in this world, in the church in the fellowship, that, we're to, that we can be ministered comfort to by His Word, by knowing His promises, okay? Uh, by His Spirit. Uh, Acts 9.31 and Galatians 5.22 talks about the comfort of the Spirit, okay? And by His people. By His people. Coming alongside to help carry a load too heavy, to comfort us in pain and sorrow and encourage with their faith and guide us to truth. 1 Thessalonians 4.8, Paul says, Therefore encourage one another with these words. You know, that's the hope of the second coming. But we ought to be encouraging each other with, the, with an eternal perspective. And he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep in Romans 12. Intellectual needs. Intellectual one another. How many times did, how many times did we read about Jesus dealing with the scholars of the day? Do you remember? I love it when I read this. Have you not read? He's talking to the scholars. You know, you can just see them go, what do you mean have I not read? Of course I'm read. I'm well read. But why don't you understand? And he would proceed to teach them something. Teaching is an intimate part of the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples, teaching them, right? We are to teach one another. 
Um, Teaching is a foundational gift according to Ephesians 4. And here's what Paul said to the Colossians. I love this. Let the word of Christ, the scripture, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart toward God. And then spiritual, that would, that would picture the correction and application and interaction of Christ. You say, well, I thought teaching was spiritual. Well, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. I, I would wager to say that to put our knowledge of the Old Testament, even if you've been to seminary, I don't care. You put our knowledge of the Old Testament up against the knowledge of the Old Testament of the scribes and Pharisees, and you're going to lose. You're just going to lose. Because they were Old Testament scholars. But were they spiritual? No. They were lifted up in pride. How many, how many times can you, have you, can you hear someone go on and on and on about the sovereignty of God and His care for us and His providence and yet worry all the time? How many, time, how many ways can we talk about God's grace? Woo! Well, love it. And then be harsh. Knowledge does not equal spiritual. Okay? Spiritual equals becoming more like Jesus. Including in our love. Including in our love. Things like this. Therefore, we're talking about one another. Therefore, James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's pretty spiritual. So, just, just in passing here, when was the last time you confessed your sin to someone? Don't raise your hand. Just think about it. It's between you and God. It's between, not between me and you. Okay? I got my own sins to deal with. So how do we begin one anothering one another? Well, you've got to build relationships. You've got to build relationships with one another, and that works both ways. It's a pursuit in both directions. You've got to get to know one another so you can gain involvement in their life. You need to pay careful attention to one another. Have you noticed, have you ever noticed someone come into the congregation and they're kind of down? What did you do? Did you ask them, how are you? Did You seem a little down today. You seem a little angry. You seem a little hurt. Okay? You seem a little frazzled today. Are you okay? Can I help? Or do we, or do we do what we do when we see somebody at Walmart we don't want to talk to? We duck in the aisle and we get out of the way. So somebody else will do it. Be courageous. Be courageous. Brother Andy, you don't understand though. Life is messy. Seriously. I can tell you stories, huh? I know life is messy. Do you want to do for a living? Yes, I'm a pastor. I'm the pastor of biblical counseling at First Bible Church in Decatur and Madison. I know life is messy. But we're called, in spite of the fact that life is messy, we're called to be involved in each other's life. Okay? And so just, just to remind you, how is that going to go when we stand before the Lord and give an account? Um, we don't need to ignore the needs, but we need, to, we need to move forward with that. Some possible reasons why people don't, and real quickly, fear of man, 
Too shy? Well, you need to know more about God. You need to trust more in God there. A sense of, of inadequacy? Well, that's great. Because who is sufficient for these things? We need, to be, we need to have a sense of inadequacy because God is adequate. Okay? And we're, we're weak, he's strong. Well, I really don't know how. Well, find out how. Talk to somebody who does know, right? That's what discipleship is all about. That's what discipleship is all about. Well, I've been burned before. Fool me once. Shame on you, right? But is that really biblically solid? Uh, I don't think so. Trust me. You'll get burned again. It's going to happen again. Whether you obey God or not, you're going to get burned again. Okay? Well, it's not my gift. That may be that may be right. You know, Paul but Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. It may not be your gift, but it is your commandment. Okay? You may not be as gifted as someone else, but please be obedient to what Jesus has said. And there are others there there are other possibilities. Can I give you some negative one another's? Try to give you the positive. This still comes from the fact that every one another, even negative one another, comes from a heart. We don't do something because we love. Okay, Paul says in Romans twelve sixteen, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Okay, uh, that means don't look down on one another. Don't look down on them. Don't judge one another. Paul says in Romans fourteen thirteen. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Okay? Don't cause another to stumble. That's 1 Corinthians 8, 13. Don't lie to one another, Colossians 3, 9. You can't do any of these things and build strength in the congregation. Okay? So there's some negative one another's here also. Don't speak evil against one another, James 4, 11. <clears throat> Don't grumble against one another, okay? which is probably the easiest thing for us to do in the world because it's kind of second nature. But James says, no, don't do that. In James 5, 9, don't grumble against one another, brother, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So it's just not my idea that God's going to judge us, right? And don't be inconsiderate to one another. I pull that from 1 Corinthians 11 because there at communion, they were inconsiderate of one another. And uh, I want you to read that on your on your own. But don't let the flesh rule how we treat one another. Galatians 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying, envying one another. So, as you can see, I skipped a lot. Let me close with this. Biblical one anothering demands that we practice 1 Corinthians 13 love. It demands it. Okay. In his book, The Discipline of Grace, Jerry Bridges gives us some amazingly practical outworking of the principles of life in 1 Corinthians 13. These are practical applications to strive for, and this would be a testimony of the love of Christ if this became our worldview. You remember the things that you guys are familiar with? 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is this, love isn't this. Okay, It does this, it doesn't do that. Here's what Jerry Bridges said, and this is profound, and this really made an impression on me several, several years ago. He says this, I'm patient with you because I love you and want to forgive you. He says, I'm kind to you. That's love. 
I'm kind to you because I love you and want to help you. I do not envy your possessions or your gifts because I love you and I want you to have the best. I do not boast. Remember, love doesn't brag. I do not boast about my attainments because I love you and want to hear about yours. I'm not proud because I love you and I want to esteem you before myself. I'm not rude because I love you and care about your feelings. I'm not self-seeking because I love you and want to meet your needs. I'm not easily angered by you because I love you and want to overlook your offenses. I do not keep a record of your wrongs because I love you and love covers a multitude of sins. So, Haven Baptist Church, I want to challenge you this year to get out of your comfort zone and let's begin to one another, one another. Okay, let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it cuts us and it beats us and it separates our separates our thinking and it Lord, it it does us so much good. It does surgery on our corrupt heart. Lord, I pray that today your word would not return until you void, but would accomplish everything that you intend for it to do in every heart, every mind, and every life. Now, Father, as we as we uh, listen to the song as we focus on what we've heard today. Lord, I just pray that you would minister to our hearts. Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us. Lord, that you would uh, conform us into the image of your Son. For we ask this in his name.